It's Tuesday, April 4th, and we welcome you to the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Make patio setup easier for your staff with a key-to-like system. Just one key to lock all your padlocks and doors. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com as we welcome you this hour to the Scotiabank Saddledome. And the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Hot Stove Lounge. It's Flames Talk on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. So it's the Flames and Blackhawks. And then Wednesday, it's the Flames and the Winnipeg Jets. And it's time to go inside hockey for Calgary Co-op with new product families, member rewards and sale events. You'll find more quality, more savings in every department every day at Calgary Co-op. Yes, Wednesday night, 5.30 Calgary time, and it's the Flames and the Jets from Canada Life Center. Two teams will be at most separated by two points in that game, and uh, this one feels like it's for all the marbles. More so for the Flames, but it definitely means a ton for that Jets group as well. And uh, a game of that magnitude, and it's a game against the Jets. We've got no other choice but to say hello to our buddy. Uh, it's been a while since we've been able to chat on these airwaves, but uh, let's say hello to uh, Hustler. Andrew Patterson joins us from Winnipeg Sports Talk from Winnipeg right now. Huss, what's going on, brother? Pat, great to be with you, my friend. Um, what's going on is uh, we're counting down to tomorrow night. I know there's a big game for uh, the Flames and their fans this evening at home, but uh, tomorrow night you uh, you laid it out. I mean, it feels like Rick Bonus today described it as a Game 7 type of game. And, and I'll be honest, I mean, I've been covering this team since the Winnipeg Jets came back in 2011. And I can honestly tell you, I believe this might be the biggest and most significant regular season game that this team has played since they came back. There's been some big playoff games and a couple nice playoff runs. But with everything happening around the club, where the Winnipeg Jets were in January in first in the conference, um, the stakes are incredibly high tomorrow night at Canada Life Centre when uh, these two teams get after it. So what's the what's the mood like in your town right now? Because uh, I certainly have uh, gone online over the last number of weeks and seen the Jets subreddits or seen some of the comments on the, the YouTube during Winnipeg Sports Talk or seen some of the Twitter responses to some of the different Winnipeg reporters as the Jets have this lead on Calgary and Nashville, dwindle and dwindle and dwindle, but now two big wins over Detroit and New Jersey. So what What's the mood like in your town going in to this game on Wednesday? <laughs> well, it's a hell of a lot better than it was last week at this time. I can tell <laughs> you that much. Um, the game a week ago tonight where the Jets got shut out by the Sharks of all teams kind of felt like rock bottom. And unfortunately, it had felt like that a few weeks ago and a week before that just with the way the team was going. But you kind of nailed it. I mean, the two... The two games on the weekend, putting up six against Detroit in a win and then another half dozen against the New Jersey Devils, really did, I think, energize this city, this fan base, and uh, and this team. Um, it was a cathartic 
game on Friday night. I mean, Mark Shifley was under the gun, and justifiably so. Um, he took a lot of heat from Rick Bonus, you know, veiled comments in the media. Yeah, we all know who he's it. talking about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everyone knew. I mean, listen, he came out after that game and said, if some of the, this was a quote, if some of these players think that they're emptying their tanks and giving all they've got, they're joking. They're fooling themselves. And I mean, you can't get much more of an indictment than, than that was the case, but it, it was the time to, to say that. And to the credit of the team, they really did respond. And, and I'll say this, the fan base as well really came out for the two games on the weekend. I wasn't exactly sure where the fans were going to be at, considering what had been transpiring. Um, but it was exactly what everyone around here needed. And again, it's two games. They took advantage of two teams that were playing on back-to-back. But lucky for the Jets, they're going to get that same thing tomorrow night. And they finally started scoring some goals, Pat. And Blake Wheeler hadn't scored in 21. Shifley had two in 13. Kyle Connor had one in 13 or 14. They all scored in the first period of that game uh, on Friday night against the Wings. And it seemed like it took a little bit of a load off on the club, and uh, and they ran with it. And, you know, it, it, it's funny. They played a lot of games, and now all of a sudden they've had these two days off in between games before they finished the season with three and four they know that their entire campaign basically comes down to tomorrow night and then Saturday night against Nashville and Monday against the San Jose Sharks. And I think the team will be ready. Uh, Hopefully from a Jets fan perspective, they look a lot like they did on the weekend and not like the team that had been floundering for the better part of two weeks, uh, two months. And, And at the same time, the Calgary flames have found a way to gut out wins, come back in the third period, which they hadn't done all season long and uh, I'd be shocked if we weren't talking 24 hours from now about, or maybe 23 hours from now, I guess, with the earlier start, about two teams that were tied in the standings for that last wild card spot. And it's going to feel like a win and in game, although there still will be work to do for mm-hmm. whoever wins tomorrow night's matchup. I'm, I'm curious because out here there's been a lot of focus on the Jets and, and people have been you know, watching their games and there's been a lot, just a, a lot of talk about Winnipeg and, and what's going on there. How, how much of a focus in your town is there on the Flames? Like how much are people in your market talking about Calgary right now? Um, a lot. Uh, listen, I know that it's a three-horse race, but uh... – I mean, I have been of the opinion for a few weeks that this was going to come down to Winnipeg and Calgary. Nashville, you know, they did have the games in hand. But when you look at the schedule that they had to play going down the stretch, I mean, playing against some of the top teams in the league regularly, very different for Winnipeg and Calgary. Now, Winnipeg does finish with road games in Minnesota and Colorado. Um, And this is part of the reason why I think people were so freaked out around here when the Jets lost to San Jose last Tuesday is because we've been talking about Calgary's schedule at the end of the year, finishing it up with seven games, six against some of the worst teams in the league, and the one game here in Winnipeg against the Jets. Um, I'll, I, I would be lying if I didn't say that people poured out of Canada Life Centre into the bars downtown to watch that third period of the Calgary-Vancouver game the other night and weren't quite disappointed with what happened. And then the same thing on Sunday night as the team came back against the Ducks. Um, but I think we're realizing this is kind of goes back for older fans to the old Smythe division days where um, both of these teams are battling it right out to the end. And 
Calgary's been a lot better as of late. The Jets have sort of found themselves in the last couple of games. And, man, does this set up to be an amazing night tomorrow for uh, hockey fans, whichever side of the, uh, of the rink you're cheering for. We're chatting with Andrew Patterson, Hustlers with us from Winnipeg Sports Talk, uh, setting up Wednesday's game at Canada Life Centre between the Flames and the Jets. Huss, what's, what's happened since January, since they were fighting for top spot overall in the Western Conference? How are the Jets here? How are things so tooth and nail for this group, knowing where they were you know, just past or around the midway mark of this season? Well, they, uh, it, it is a great question, and it's one that has confounded many people around here, Pat. Um, they've gotten away from the brand of hockey that earned them that first spot in the conference uh, well into the new year, and some players on the team have gone absolutely ice cold, albeit, as I said, maybe getting back into it over the last couple of days. Um, you know, there's been a lot. This is not new for the Winnipeg Jets. And again, I don't want to put the, the, the trigger right at Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler, but I mean, they have sort of been, it's been their team for a number of years. And dating back to 2019, when the Jets were one of the best teams in the National Hockey League, we have seen some real, real bottoming out in the second half of seasons. 2019 ended up with a first round loss to the St. Louis Blues. Um, and, you know, even when Paul Maurice was here in the year that, where there was no fans and the Jets ended up beating the Oilers in four straight. Yep. Um, they had a terrible end to the season. And, uh, you know, you really wondered whether the team was entirely committed. Listen, there's been all sorts of talk about locker room issues in Winnipeg in the past. That hasn't really been the case this year, but it sort of did come up over the last little while when you saw some of your biggest, highly paid, most important players look unengaged and at times lost and um listen from a jets perspective uh fans are hoping that they have found their way just in the nick of time but um listen everything that they earned with that great first half of the season has sort of been frittered away and now it's time to uh see who's playing playoff hockey starting off with this biggest game of the year and the biggest one in a long time tomorrow against Winnipeg. Uh, it, it, you can look at the key players on this team. Kyle Connor has struggled at times. Mark Shifley in particular is the number one center on the team, has been looked lost at times and, frankly, less than engaged. And, you know, that can sometimes have a trickle down to the rest of the uh, rest of the locker room. That being said, they seem to have gotten it back together with the last couple of games that I do think will have an incredibly energetic crowd and I think a team that will bring their best for the Calgary Flames as they continue their push for a playoff spot tomorrow. It's funny, you bring up Shifley and Wheeler, and, you know, with with Shifley having those, like, he's on pace at, at one time, you're like, Jesus, is Shifley going to get 45? Is he going to, you know, be in the mix for 50 goals this year? And look, he's at, he's he's going to get himself 40 when it's all said and done this year, but it seemed like after last year, and, and with with Blake getting the captaincy taken away from him by new head coach Rick Bonus and, and Shifley, there was a lot of criticism on him and the way that he went about his business last year. They they come in this year, and, and specifically Shifley, but even Wheeler playing pretty decently in the first half of the season, that conversation seemed to die down, and we weren't hearing anywhere near as much about it. And then, as you as you mentioned, over the last number of weeks, that's been the biggest conversation, it feels like, in Winnipeg. I'm, I'm curious as to what your read on the old guard, especially those two guys, uh, what, what your read has been on how they've handled themselves this year. Well, you know what? It's two different answers for the two guys. I'll start with Wheeler. I'm going to give Wheeler a lot of credit, Pat. He, um, 
you know, being a guy that was kind of the face of the franchise for a long time and being stripped of the captaincy at the beginning of the year, that can go a couple of different ways. And I'll give him a lot of credit with the way he handled it, quietly going out, being a good soldier, and had a really good first half of the season. Um, he made well, what some would call the ultimate sacrifice, um, took one right where you don't want to take one and um, ended up going from two to one, if you know what I'm saying, and missed about a month of the year. And since he came back, he really wasn't that same player. <laughs> Again, I tried to tried to describe that as nice. No, no, I, uh, I, I, know, I know very well what you're talking about. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, he has been – he's – basically played the role of good soldier but he was really lacking was a step behind was slow and was still getting played a ton by rick bonus but i think we're just seeing the law of diminishing returns in person he had a great weekend he looks rejuvenated playing with Ehlers and the metznikoff on that second line so you'll hope that that can at least continue for the rest of the year shifley's a bit of a different story shifley had a great start to the season. Everything was going in for him as far as goal scoring. Didn't have the assist that he normally has. And I guess that part of it was that Kyle Connor was struggling. But one unfortunate reality with Mark Shifley is that he, over the last few years, has not handled adversity very well. And as a guy that you lean on to be a real leader in the room, um, and, and, and outwardly as a leader of the hockey club, it's left a lot to be desired. And I, I'm not sure whether he's ever been challenged more internally by the coaching staff than he has been over the last uh, 10 to 14 days. Um, and, you know, to his credit, he moved on to the wing. I think that was almost the last card that Rick Bonus possibly had to play after benching him and his line mates, along with Kyle Connor a couple weeks ago in Carolina and getting the exact opposite reaction and response that you'd want from a star player. Um, but listen, like you said it before, winning can change a lot of things. And those two wins on the weekend have completely changed the atmosphere around the Winnipeg Jets. They seem to be full of energy right now when it was really lacking a few weeks ago. And I think this team and Mark Shifley are excited to maybe prove a few naysayers wrong with a nice stretch run here, starting with a game that literally means everything um, yeah. tomorrow night. How's uh, how's Connor Hellebuck playing? What are we seeing from the number one goalie of late? Kelly is the uh, is the backbone of this hockey club, and you know, no matter how bad the Jets have played at times, Hellebuck continues to keep them in. And um, you know, one of the big conversations we have on our show is, uh, I mean, like in the background of all of this, Pat, they, this this era of these players could change massively next year. I mean, I personally think that Mark Shifley will be somewhere else next year, barring some sort of miraculous playoff run that catches everybody off guard. I wouldn't be surprised if Wheeler's term with the Winnipeg Jets is at the end of the road. And then you've got the Pierre-Luc Dubois situation where certainly the Winnipeg Jets have said they are going to do everything they can and exhaust all avenues to re-sign him. But it takes two to tango. And from what we hear from insiders, it doesn't sound like he's intending on doing that. Mm-hmm. So we could have a massive change. Resigning Connor Hellebuck this year is maybe the number one thing hanging around this entire club going in. And a big part of Hellebuck's decision is he wants to be where he can win. They've had a very good team for a long time. They have been able to compete. Does that change with the potential player moves? So to me, he is the linchpin of everything that they're doing right now in this stretch. 
if they're lucky enough to get to the playoffs once they get to the postseason. And come day one of the offseason, it all starts with re-signing Connor Hellebach to probably a Carey Price-like deal that keeps him in Winnipeg for long-term, pays him what he deserves as one of the top goaltenders in the National Hockey League, and then everything else happens. If Hellebach's out, you're talking about, I don't want to say completely blowing it up because they do have the likes of Connor and Morrissey and Nikolai Ehlers signed and some talented young players coming through the pipeline. But this Jets team could look incredibly different next year. And I think that speaks to the urgency of the situation when Winnipeg plays Calgary tomorrow night and these final five games of this regular season. All right, Huss, what's your gut say? Uh, What happens on Wednesday? What do we see at Canada Life Centre between the Flames and the Jets? Well, listen, I'm not going to call who's going to win the game, but one thing I do fully expect is that you are going to see one of the best, maybe the best atmosphere in Winnipeg at a hockey game in a long time, maybe since the last time we had playoff hockey in a whiteout here. I think you're going to see a Winnipeg Jets team that comes to play realizing the challenge of a charging Calgary Flames team and tries to you know, aggressively take it to them considering that the Flames are playing the night before. But listen, I also am not foolish enough to count out Calgary despite the ups and downs that they've had this year. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be physical. I think it's going to be fast. I think it's going to feel like a playoff game. And uh, I'll tell you what, if you're a hockey fan, even with no skin in the game, I'd be tuning into Sportsnet tomorrow night for this one because I think it is going to be a beauty. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, man. 5.30 Calgary time, Wednesday night for the Flames and Jets. Huss, awesome to uh, catch up with you, buddy. Uh, I, I think uh, I think we're doing it again on your show on Wednesday, so uh, we'll do it again in a few hours. But uh, it's good to have you back on Flames Talk, my man. Dude, the pleasure was all mine. Yeah, a little home and home tonight with uh, you on Sports 960 <laughs> and you tomorrow coming up with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk. It's going to be great. We'll talk to you then. And, uh, Enjoy tonight's game, folks, and what should be an absolute beauty tomorrow here in the peg. Thanks, Huss. Good to talk to you, man. Hustler, Andrew Patterson, joining us. Winnipeg Sports Talk on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, he joins us on this Tuesday edition, the day before the Flames and Jets. He joins us inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. The beer tastes better when it's bought from the place that cheers for your team. Visit your local Calgary Co-op. Wine, spirits, beer today. Hey, it's George Russick. And Matty Rose. We host the big show with Russick and Rose. If you miss us weekday mornings on Sportsnet 960 to fan, first of all, shame on you. Second of all, download the podcast on demand. So many places that you can find the podcast wherever you get your favorite. NHL, NFL, CFL, MLB, the stories that sports fans in Calgary want to hear. We got it for you. We are the big show. You're locked on Flames Talk, only on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, Steinberg and Pike this hour. Thanks to uh, Hustler for joining us to kick off the hour as we take a look at, uh, do you know there's a big game on Wednesday? Have you heard about that? Flames and I Jets? I mean, if, if, if you want to be honest here, there's, big, there's five big games between now and whenever the schedule ends. They're all. They're all. It's. It's like Pike. Pat. It's. Li- it's like Ric Flair in You're the. You're not in a the, coach. It's Ric Flair in the '92 Rumble. They're all the biggest challenge Pike. they're gonna face. You're not a coach. But yeah, if, a- if if we're trying to get people to sneak out of work or clear their schedules early on a Wednesday evening, tomorrow would be a. You know, this Wednesday would be a very good day to 
sneak out of work early and avoid rush hour traffic. Uh, lots to talk about prior to that game. Uh, Steinberg and Pike this hour on Flames Talk rolls on. Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we're coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, Hot Stove Lounge here at the Scotiabank Saddledome. And Jacob Markstrom is going to get the start against the Chicago Blackhawks. Lots to dive in on this one because with a back-to-back and the season being where it is and the Jets game meaning what it does – I think everybody has just penned in Jacob Markstrom to start Wednesday in Winnipeg, which left this one against Chicago somewhat up in the air. And a lot of people, myself included, thought that Dan Vladar would be a a good choice to go to in this game to ensure that you have got a rested Jacob for the most important game of the year. So I was quite surprised. Not maybe not quite surprised because I'm never. um, I, I always know like. Daryl Sutter. Uh, he he has, loves his number one guys. He loves his number one guys. Yeah, and so I, so I was slightly surprised how that, or somewhat surprised to see uh, Dan Vladar warming up in the backups net and Jacob coming out and occupying the starters net Tuesday morning at st- Skate. And I, I guess I'm I'm surprised and a little concerned. And I'll be the first to say that my concern was not well placed and wasn't warranted if Jacob goes out and has two great games because you know what I don't have a feel for the goaltending like the head coach does of course I don't I don't have a feel for the goaltending like Jacob Marks uh, like like uh Jason LaBarber does, rather. Of course not I don't have a feel for Jacob Markstrom's body like he does of course not so I understand that this is all from the outside I really do but Jacob looked a little fatigued against the Ducks and and came out after 20 minutes of play he didn't look quite right against Vancouver necessarily on Saturday, despite, again, a low shot load. This was Daryl Sutter, though, when asked about going to Jacob for this game against Chicago. It's a very convicted answer, and I, I respect the conviction from the head coach, and, and I'm not surprised by it, but I respect it nonetheless. This was uh, head coach Daryl Sutter when he was quizzed about goaltending decisions on Tuesday morning. What goes into choosing your starting goalie on the first half of a back-to-back here? Does that thought process work for you? It's like the last game of the year for us. Way different than anything else, right? And uh, Marky's been really, really good for us for quite a while now, so he's earned that right for sure. And I guess fatigue, does that, like, do you try and manage energy, or how does that work for a coach trying to figure out that? With what? With like playing a guy on back-to-backs, does fatigue become a... Do your homework. You'll see the last time he played back-to-backs. What he, <laughs> what he did. <laughs> With travel. So you got to put all that into it, right? It's, you know what, if it's game seven, you want your, your ace. So... I respect the conviction. The coach is right. The last time Jacob started on back-to-back nights was early March in Dallas where he made 29 of 33 in that win over the Stars. And then the following night, he made 40 of 40 and, what, 2 of 3 or 3 of 4 in the shootout against the Minnesota Wild. Uh, And his only shutout of the season came on the second half of a back-to-back. So there's definitely that that plays into it. There's no doubt about it. I respect the conviction. I respect the decision. I fully understand that the coaching staff has a far better feel on this than I do. 
and I'll be the first to take <laughs> it back. And I'm telling you, Pike, yeah. Thursday, when, when you and I are doing one of the hours on Thursday, I'll be the first to say, I'll look you in the eye and say, I shouldn't have questioned it. That was the right call because I think it's important to do that if you're going to question something. But I am a little concerned about it because yeah. Jacob has looked a little fatigued over the last little bit. And is the two periods off on Sunday enough of a rest? I don't know the answer, but I am a little concerned about it. Yeah, and you know the, this is the this is the tenth back-to-back set the Flames have played this year. Uh, they have split goaltending duties in six of them, and they've gone to the same goalie in both halves uh, three times. Uh, first ha- first time in November, uh, they you know. Uh, Markstrom played both. He played. He faced 32 shots against the Islanders, lost in overtime. Then he faced 20 shots against the Devils, lost in regulation. So one out of possible th- uh, four points there. Uh, they went to Dan Vladar, I believe, in I think it was January or February. It was February. February. Uh, it was the Arizona Vegas trip. Yes. Where uh, he had 14. He faced 14 shots and probably could have read a book during uh, a part of the game because that's how much they outplayed the Coyotes at times. But they also gave up four, uh, three goals and 14 shots, got a win, and then the team just ran out of gas in uh, the second half of the game. And you can make a case that you know Vladar probably gave up maybe one goal that he would want back. I think that was a short side goal by uh, by Zach Whitecloud. Uh, Against uh, Vegas, that was the one that got him going. The, yeah, that was the one. That, that was the, the yeah, that was the that was the one that started started the uh, the ball rolling against them. And you know they still got a point. They got three out of four possible points in that back to back. And then you know uh, the the one that Daryl alluded to, the uh, the Dallas Minnesota one, where he made he faced thirty three shots and forty shots, and he gave up four goals combined and two two pretty busy, pretty important games against you know the Flames have low-key a very uh, contentious relationship with the Dallas Stars. It's one of those quiet rivalry games that, that I think is start, maybe because of the playoffs the last two times they've met, that's starting to heat up. Uh, so you want your ace in that game, and then you probably want your ace against Minnesota because of how important that game was in the standing. So Yeah, and look mean, at the time. Like, for remember, in January, like, well, maybe they're going to catch Minnesota. Maybe Minnesota's the team they need to track down. That's obviously not the case anymore. Yeah, but. They, you know, at that point, they were just trying to maximize everything, and that was in, you know, since, uh, I think, since February 25th. Uh, yeah, since, since, yeah, actually, yeah, including February 25th, I believe we've seen Jacob Markstrom in all but one game. Uh, at some point, he's played in relief a couple times. He started, I believe, 17 of 19. This would be 19 of 20 or 18 of 20, if you include tonight. So he's played a lot. He's played really good. But I do agree with you about the fatigue aspect. I, I don't think he's particularly sharp against uh, Anaheim. Uh, you know, there's been, I think, in Vancouver, his defense didn't help him out a ton. There Correct. Was, it, it was... If you look at the four goals they gave up, uh, lots of turnovers, lots of two-on-ones, defensive breakdowns. So, but it was also one of those cases where you know he didn't really mix in the big game-defining save the way he did as frequently in earlier games. And you know, compared to how he looked against LA or San Jose or even Vegas, not quite as good. And you know, is it is it just oh he you know he he he's a professional athlete. He's afforded an off night every now and then. But you know, with the with the margins being what they are, Flames can't afford either guy to have an, an off night. Since March first, only UC Saros has played more than Jacob Markstrom, and that was uh, that was uh, changed on Monday night because Saros played in the loss to Dallas. So since March first, which is when the Flames, right around the time when the Flames went to Jacob and said, 
We need you to get hot. We need you to be our guy. We're putting the ball back in your hands. We need you to get us into the playoffs. Uh, since that time, UC Saros has played 894 minutes and 16 seconds. Jacob Markstrom's played 851 minutes and 28 seconds. So Saros won, Markstrom two. Funny enough, Connor Hellebuck, the other team in this Western Conference playoff race for that final spot, is number three at 819.47. So Markstrom has played a lot in March. He has looked, and, and what Daryl said, first of all, again, I really do respect the conviction and like, hey, we're going with our guy. And, and I would say 98% of the time, I would probably fall in that same category of, yep, if every game means as much as they mean right now, you're going with your guy. Yeah. But only because the fatigue and the workload has has got me wondering things a little bit. I just wondered if this was a night to go to Vladar and say, hey, we're putting our, our backup in. We believe our backup can win games. This is all about the way we play in front of our goaltender anyway. So we're going to go with number 80, and we're going to make sure that Jacob is ready to rock for the most important game of the year against the Jets. That's that's what I was thinking. That was my reasoning with the fatigue, three games in four nights, back-to-back with travel, all that type of stuff. I just felt going to Vladar in this game really seemed to make sense. But I also do understand where the team and where the coach is coming from. They said they're going to go to Jacob, and they're they're sticking with that. So I respect it even though I'm a little worried about it. And I'm I'm followed by a lot of the same people in social media as as you are, and every time you you tweet out uh, the lines from from, uh, Morning Skate or from from Warm Up, you and me, because I retweet you, get the, the reply guys in our mentions going, oh, why don't they... Why don't they, are they scratching player X for player Y? I think it's sort of the same mindset that the Flames have in terms of Markstrom's their guy. They're going to live or die right now based on how well he plays. I think outside of guys getting back from injury, you know, like we're seeing potentially, you know, uh, 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 you know, Chris a, Tanev Chris, returned. You know, like Michael Stone bumped somebody out of the lineup because Michael Stone was a regular before he got hurt. Chris Tanev potentially coming back today, game time decision. Same kind of thing. I, I get the conviction. I get the, you know, your aces, your guys are your guys, and you're going to ride or die with them. And I get it. It makes sense to me. But it's also one of those things where, especially for the goaltending, I'm with you. I, I think that's the kind of thing where I think more so than any other position, I think the drop-off between the two goaltenders isn't nearly the same as the drop-off behind between, you know, Chris Tanev and the 7th, 8th defenseman or, you know, Trevor Lewis and whichever forward comes in next. Yeah. And look. We'll say, and, and again, I'll be the first to say if it works out in both games that they made 100% the right call and I had no reason to be concerned about it. I have no problem with being wrong either because that means that uh, they're going to be continuing to play super important games. Uh, this, for instance, says tomorrow's game, Wednesday's game means nothing without a win over Chicago. Marky it is and like we likely will be for the next five. I just don't think that you are... I don't think you're shortchanging yourself or or cutting your nose off to spite your face if you went to Markstrom, or rather if you went to Vladar against the Blackhawks. And it's not like it's the first time that they have split the goaltenders in a back-to-back. And, six, you know, six out of nine. The last ba- back-to-back they went to, to Vladar in just as dire a situation coming off an 8-2 loss the night before they went to Vladar against Anaheim. So Although you it's can, not you can like, make a case that was sort of a quasi-back-to-back for Vladar because he hadn't played played in in a dog's age and, and they threw him in for the in. third period yeah. and got him warmed up so i mean you know i 
I, I'll never, you know, we were discussing off air. You could fill the ocean with stuff I don't know about goaltending. <laughs> it's or the it's the the position. It's such a dumb position. It's, in, in it's a, so weird. It's, it's I I know nothing about it, and that's why I always say, of course, LaBarbera and Sutter have a better feel for this than I do. I just from the outside, what I've seen. I, I just we, I don't want it to be a thing for the Jets game, and I really hope that coming out of Wednesday night on our post-game show, we're not talking about Jacob kicking out rebounds into bad spots and, and not looking like the guy. I just I don't want the potential fatigue to be a conversation coming out of Wednesday's game. That's all. Yeah, and, and honestly, especially the Chicago of it all, playing against a team that the Flames have not beaten this year. This is a team that, you know, uh, know, Daryl mentioned this morning, the Flames have had trouble with their pace. They've had trouble with their speed, and it's Chicago, much like Anaheim, is a young team that knows they're out of the playoffs and is just playing for jobs and playing to, for lack of a better term, mess up the hopes and dreams of every other team out there. And, you know, right now, as we're speaking, Chicago is 32nd in a 32-team league. Correct. I also don't. I also think they're probably looking over and, you know, looking at the standings and probably hearing the whispers of Winnipeg this and Winnipeg that. And if I'm in that room, I'm probably going, yeah, yeah, talk all you want about Winnipeg. We're going to show you that we're worth something, too. So... This could be a a very challenging 60 minutes for the Flames. It shouldn't be based on the body of work the teams have built up against everyone but each other. But just the way these two teams match up could make it for a bit of a long night at the office. A few other things to dive into. You mentioned the return of Tanev. Uh, he'll return after missing six with an upper body injury. At least that's what we're anticipating. He is officially a game-time decision for Tuesday against Chicago, although when the coach says, I'll leave it up to him, I can't imagine Chris Tanev in, other, in any scenario. Oh, uh, your arm is dangling by a threat? You know, I'm going to play. Uh, I, I th- oh, you know what? Uh, right now I have a, a cast, an irremovable cast on my foot. Get me a bigger skate. Uh, like I, I don't think Chris Tanev's ever going if, to choose. If he had no feet, he'd find a way to plan the stumps. That's really gross, but probably fair. <laughs> you went a little more graphic than I did, and I really do salute you for that and <laughs> applaud you for that. Well done. That that that'll make it that'll make a good clip for <laughs> social. Really that'll good. be amazing for social. We'll get the engagement yeah, on Taylor that. Taylor Cam, let's not let's not <laughs> Photoshop any of that. We don't want that. Okay. Would never. Uh, um, <laughs> and I was, I'm thinking of it like freshly, so it's like, oh, Pike, come on. No, we'd give it a day or two. Uh, oh, I need a, I need a minute. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so Tanev set to return. Paris will go right back to the way they were. Uh, morning skate Tanev with Hannafin, uh, which meant Anderson back with Uyghur, Stetcher with Zadorov, uh, Stone and Gilbert were your two extras. And, and Daryl Sutter clearly likes that top four specifically the way they're set. I asked Daryl after practice, after morning skate on Tuesday, I asked him about specifically the Uyghur and Anderson pairing, and and he that didn't spin it, but he really likes the look both there and with the other pairing, Tanev and Hannafin. Listen to uh, Daryl Sutter after morning skate. You know, when we were trying to turn the corner there again, um, it was something we really wanted to look at. It wasn't so much... Uh, I wanted I wanted to get Tanny with Noah, you know, because they'd uh, you know they'd been they'd played together in years past, not so much last year, but they. So we were just trying to get uh, you know the top four settled in in the right way. 
So, uh, how did we like it? I mean, I, I like it. I like those four together. Like, if they're healthy and can give you even strength minutes. So, that, I think, based on what I just heard from Daryl, I think, ideally, that's your top four. As much as Uyghur and Tana have played a bulk of the season together and Anderson and Hannafin have played a bulk of the season together, it feels like they have settled in on Anderson with Uyghur and back to Hannafin and Tanev from the 56-game season where they played so well together. Yeah, and I, especially with how well we've seen Anderson and Uyghur complement each other, I mean, you know, Uyghur with his, his slightly shorter stick since the All-Star break has really been good offensively, but he's been dynamite defensive player all year, and I think him and Anderson together really bring out the best from each other. And I would say similar things about, about Tanev and, and Hannafin. I think Tanev is so good at so many things that it allows Hannafin to take some chances offensively and get involved in the rush. And I think when when you see you know uh, Noah Hannafin get involved, you know, skate, you know, jump into the play, move around the zone, create different angles, create different type, you know, angles of attack, create different waves of attack for for the opposition. I think that's when he's at his most effective. I think Noah Hannafin, you know, trying to play shutdown D you know, he's not bad at it, but it's not really in his DNA the way it is in, say, Uyghurs or, or Tanev. So I really like the balance of that top four. And then I think the the challenge now the Flames have to face uh, is just figuring out what the right mix, what the right recipe is for that third pair. What is the right recipe for that third pair? I don't know. I really, like, Troy Stetcher's been really good. We we heard, you know, I think Brad Treliving mentioned uh, in the press conference after the, the trade deadline, you know, the thing he liked about Stetcher is the, the pace and the speed he brings, especially, you know, we've mentioned here in the past, you know, you take away Oliver Shillington from a hockey club, they're going to look slower, just simply because he's so good at skating. And Stetcher, you know, is arguably not quite as good a skater as Shillington, but you, you, you'd barely notice. He's, he's so good at figuring out when to jump in, when to jump out, you know, what, what chances to take and what chances not to take. He's such a smart player, and he seems to be really aware of what he can and can't do, and he just tries to stick to the things he does well, and thankfully the things he does well so far have really complimented Nikita Zadorov. And so, you know, if, I, I feel bad for Michael Stone because if, if they don't go 11-7, and I imagine they probably won't because they typically don't. And they could down they the could, road. It they gives could. them a nice option down the road. Well, I mean, guys, guy scores the game-winning goal against Anaheim, and then he's a spectator uh, based on another guy getting healthy. I mean... It is what it is. I, I get it. And in terms of the, the, the fit and the roles, he's the easiest guy to take out. But, man, I mean, we, we talked about this last year before they hit injuries and he became a regular player. If Michael Stone even if Michael Stone or Dennis Gilbert are your 6 or 7 or your 7 or 8, you've got some depth. And I think, they, I think that gives them some options. I mean, you know, I, I think they're... Uh, I think they're, they're well insulated against injury, but I also think they want to see what they can do to keep guys fresh and to figure out what the best, you know, mix is for that third pairing to maximize. Because, you know, this, especially with a Daryl Sutter team, and especially in the event that they are playing after April 12th, they're going to need everybody, and they're going to need to figure out a way to roll lines and pairs. So they, they're going to need to have them figured out. Well, and look... I, uh, I've, I've actually quite liked Stetcher of late. Um, I think there have been times when, 
And and this is probably why he has been a, a third pair. He's got a great skill set when it comes to to skating. Uh, we know what he's able to to do in terms of jumping into the rush and using his feet and all that type of stuff. I still find at times he finds himself swimming in the defensive zone a little much, a little too much, and and finds himself on the back foot a little bit too much. And that's something that I think is what has kept him from kind of elevating beyond uh, a number five, number six. But of late, you take a look at the, the game against uh, Vancouver, the game against Anaheim, uh, he hasn't done that as much. And if that can be limited, he can be a really effective and important guy for him. So uh, especially in his role as a 13, 14-minute type defenseman. So, um, yeah, I've, I've liked the last couple of games, and he's playing with a ton of confidence right now. I just I'm curious as to... How they use him and Stone, even if they, you know, going down the stretch, of course, and also if they end up making the playoffs, how do they use those two? I'm curious about the idea at some point of using 11 and 7. Is that something that they're interested in doing? So, because it worked really well in last year's playoffs. So, I'm just, it's, yeah. it's interesting. They definitely have some more intriguing options because this is the first yeah. time they've had Stone and Stetcher and Tanev all healthy at the same time. And especially when, you know, they, they lean on special teams so hard on so few guys. Like, you know, Brad Chilling, I think, has mentioned in a few off-seasons, I think he mentioned a few off-seasons ago, I think the phrasing he used was, you relied on too many to do too much, or too few to do too, too much. Too few to do too much, And yeah. I think there's the there's the temptation, you know, you, when you have the top four they have to really lean on them because they're good at so many things. But I think... You know, especially if, you know, there's no way Chris, you know, Chris Tanev hasn't been 100% since game one of the ser- of the season. To be honest, most guys aren't. It's the NHL. Guys get hit with pucks. They crash into each other. You know, it's just the nature of the beast. But if you have the ability to spread it out the minutes a little bit more and give yourself a little bit more of Chris Tanev or a little bit more of, of Rasmus Anderson or a little bit more of Mackenzie Weger for potentially game three game four game five of a playoff series yeah then i think you gotta look at that but to be honest i mean you know cart before the horse i think those are kind of problems problems you look at when you get a a a little tick next to your name yeah you know what they're problems they'd love to have if they're having to worry about management and playoff lineup decisions those are things they would love to have and they've got to go all out just to be able to have those decisions on the table so yeah let's see let's see what they can do against the blackhawks what on not, Tuesday nine, nine days left in the regular season eight days for the flames Ooh, oh yeah because uh they're, they're off that day yeah they end on wednesday so and, here we are and you Tuesday. know and you know who plays on the friday uh, nashville well nashville <laughs> plays thursday and friday they play back to back at home against minnesota and colorado because those two games that got uh, postponed due to the flood. Yeah, so Winnip- Winnipeg so, plays on so, Thursday. So these these guys have eight days left, and some of the teams involved in the race have ten. Yep, this is going to be an interesting last few days. It really is. Uh, Ryan Pike's on Twitter at Ryan and Pike. My name is Pat Steinberg. Producers this hour, Cam and Taylor. Thanks to uh, Andrew Patterson, Hustler in Winnipeg for joining us as well. That'll wrap us up on the Sports Drive. Brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Make patio setup easier for your staff with a key to like system. Just one key to lock all your padlocks and doors. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com.